Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Victory Family Church. How are we doing today? Good, good. Good to see you. Can we get up for our worship team? Fantastic. So, so good. Well, well, thank you for being here. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Grant, and I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, and we're just so honored that you would choose to be here this morning. Real quick, before we jump into it, though, uh, there's a couple of things on your seat, a couple pieces of paper that I kind of want to talk about briefly. Uh, so if you, sh- if you should have received one, uh, one of these, uh, it says Jesus Birthday Offering on it. This is something that as a church, Victory Family Church, that we do all of our campuses uh, every year, the Christmas time and what it is, is uh, the Sunday before uh, Christmas and also our Christmas Eve experiences, we will take up offering and um, every penny that is uh, brought in in those offerings will, will be given to the organizations that you will see on the back in supporting the different things that they do um, all across the world, whether it's Bible smuggling or uh, refugee re- relief and, and all these cool things that uh, we get to be a part of. And so what we'd encourage is if uh, maybe take that home, uh, maybe pray over it as a family uh, with your kids as well, pray over it, maybe just see what God would have you to give and, and how you can support uh, this Christmas season, and, and uh, we'll be doing that in the next couple of weeks. And also in that, um, on that seat, you should have another one. It looks just like this, a little picture. Um, this is an invite card. So uh, you have different uh, experiences that you could invite people to, and maybe this is a coworker or a friend that you would invite to church on a Christmas Eve, uh, and I promise you, you won't want to miss our Christmas Eve experiences. It's going to be a wonderful time. So maybe take that, and maybe if you need another one, we'll, we'll get you another one, but uh, maybe invite one or two people just to come to church and be a part of that. Uh, So uh, today we are starting a brand new sermon series called Unexpected Gifts. And specifically today, uh, we are talking about the unexpected gift of disappointment. Uh, and you may think that's that's not a gift at all. That sounds awful. Uh, well, don't worry. Well, I'll get you. I'll get you there. It's it's all right. Uh, have you guys ever maybe um, a, a Christmas or a birthday or something ever received like an unexpe- unexpected gift? Just maybe something weird. Like one Christmas, I, I I don't know. I can't remember how old it was, but I I got a, a roll of toilet paper for Christmas, and then I didn't like it. But last year would have been fantastic. I feel like uh, it'd been cool to get that. Um, uh, and another another funny thing. Last Christmas, actually, last year, my, myself and my wife Gabby, we were uh, leaving. Um, the church. We had just left uh, our Christmas Eve experiences. It was Christmas Eve, and we were on our way home to go see our family for Christmas. And we were passing through Norman. That's where we lived. We got our stuff, and we were headed east towards uh, home, which is Muskogee for us. And uh, on our way there, like I, I'm, in, I'm in a hurry. It's Christmas Eve, and it's about 8.30, 8 o'clock at night, and so I'm, I'm ready to get home, and so I don't want to drive for a long time, and so, I'm, I mean, like most of us, I, I'm driving probably a little too fast, and uh, on my way, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, unexpectedly, I see those lights flash behind me, um, get pulled over, pull over to the side, and uh, the police officer, I didn't even know the police officers worked on Christmas Eve, I, I kind of thought you just got to do what you want, I didn't know, like, if the laws existed on Christmas Eve, just kind of Christmas spirit, anyways, he walks up to my car, and he's wearing the Santa Claus hat, uh, and he asks for my stuff, and I give him my, my license and insurance, that kind of thing. Takes it back to the car and gets on his computer. I don't know if he's playing solitaire, what he's doing back there. But he comes back and, and he asks me this question. He says, so what do you do? Like, like, what's your career? What do you work? And of course, he'd asked me that uh, when I just got caught speeding. Uh, I said, I, I'm actually a youth pastor. He said, are you kidding me, dude? 
Like you're going, you should know better than this. Why are you speeding? Why are you breaking the law? You're a youth pastor. You ought to know better than this. And I said, man, I know my bad. I'm sorry. Just trying to get home for Christmas. And he said, oh, so is everybody else. And I said, yeah, I know. Why are you pulling me over? Uh, but he says, <laughs> he, he said, uh, he said, let me see your hand. I said, what? And it wasn't like, let me see your hands. It wasn't like, put your, put your hands up. It wasn't that. But he said, let me see your hand. And I said, okay. I thought he was going to high five me like, yeah, you're in ministry. Great job. But no, he, I, I stuck my hand out the window. He grabs my arm and, and literally slaps me on the wrist. <laughs> I, I, I knew it was a phrase. I knew it was the thing. I didn't know it was literal. I didn't know you could actually get a slap on the wrist. Um, I, I was, it, was so, it was so strange and unexpected, but hey, I didn't get a ticket, so I was fine. I, it didn't bother me at all, but I'm sure some of us have been there a time or two. Or, uh, we're, we're trying to get to work. We're trying to get to take our kids to school or come to the doctor and out of nowhere, something unexpected. We get a flat tire. Or maybe we got pulled over or out of nowhere you get sick and deal with some things. And in life, I, I, I find that the source of disappointment is just often unmet expectation. I expected this to happen, and it didn't. This happened, and so now I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. And maybe for you, it was not getting the gift that you wanted. Maybe as a kid, you got disappointed because you didn't get what you wanted all year long. You're dropping hints and telling people this is what you wanted. And maybe for you, it's uh, your sports team losing the big game by a matter of inches. Oh, oh gosh. It still hurts, man. Oh, I was just, Oh goodness, I can't I can't talk about it. Maybe 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 your new, your coach taking a new job, leaving leaving your favorite football team. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Um, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, we're all in mourning right now. It's okay. Um, it doesn't matter. But and those are, those are funny. Those are silly silly examples. But maybe for some of you, maybe there's some things that actually do kind of hit at home. They're a little more serious. They're they're actually unexpected and, and frustrating and disappointment. Like maybe, I mean, why am I still single? Like, God, I've been praying for so long. God, I've been believing. God, I've been pursuing you and seeking you. God, why, why have I not got what I, what I wanted? Why have I not got what I expected you to do? God, why is this marriage? God, why is it not working? It's not what I thought it would be. God, I've been, I've been doing all the things that I thought. God, it's not quite what I expected. Why isn't my job fulfilling? God, it's like you call me to this. Why isn't it fulfilling? Why is it not what I expected it to be? And or will I ever get ahead? God, I've been working so hard. God, I'm pushing all the time. Will I ever get ahead in life? There's real things, real situations that all the time we, we face disappointment. And, and dealing with disappointment, it's never fun. <clears throat> it's never easy. Obviously, it's challenging. It's overwhelming. If we're being honest, it's very discouraging. However, I, I do think disappointment and dealing with it, I think when handled well, I think that this feeling can actually have a positive impact. And let me explain. I think, I think dealing with disappointment and handling it well, understanding what could happen, I think it can help us understand ourselves better. I think it can help us refocus our attention on the things that actually do matter. Because most of the time when we're disappointed, it's things that don't actually matter. It has the ability to, to begin to cultivate and to, to build uh, gratitude within us and, and thankfulness for all the things that we have and, and things that God's given us. And I think it's interesting that you could even look um, at, the, at the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story, and see how, for some, even that was a bit of a disappointment. So even for the Israelites, the way that Jesus came into this world was a bit of a disappointment because they expected one thing, and it's not what they got. They had such high expectations of who the Messiah would be and how he would come and what he would do. You see, the Israelites, they were expecting a military leader. 
They're expecting someone that would come in and overthrow the oppressive Roman government, overthrow them and, have, and rule with an, an iron fist. They're expecting political freedom. They're expecting to, to do what they wanted to do and, and that the government would be run how they wanted. They're expecting financial security. I mean, the, the, the Roman government was always in their pocket taking a little bit more than they need. They're expecting someone to, to free them from that. They're expecting a child to, who would likely would be born in a castle, who would come from a lineage of royalty. They're expecting a man who'd become their one true king. Instead, they got a child born to a poor family in a barn surrounded by nasty animals. Like, talk about disappointment. That's not at all what they expected. Where is their military leader that they believed for? Where is, their mil- where is the one that would bring political freedom? Where is the one that would bring the financial security that they so desired? Where is their king where is their savior? Where's the one that would liberate them? The one that would give them true freedom? And, and he could even almost think that they would be saying things like, God, I think you made a mistake. Like this baby is great and all, but I, this, is not, this is not what we wanted. We wanted a ruler. We wanted a, a king whose arrival would be unmatched. What, what, this is not what we expected. But the Israelites, what they couldn't see is in the moment was it seemingly disappointing birth of Jesus was actually a gift in and of itself. And so today I want to look at about three things that I think disappointment can actually teach us. Uh, number one, disappointment reminds us that God is near. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is incredible to me. This is one of the most encouraging scriptures of all that we have a God that cares so much for us that not only cares for us, but also knows exactly what we're dealing with. There's so much meaning in the, in the decision for God to become one of us, to become man, to, to put on flesh and to come and be and to live as we did. Why, why would God require this kind of intimacy? Well, what would compel Jesus to leave the safety of heaven and to step into a violent, to a crazy world. It's because I think, I think God knew that he couldn't, he couldn't quite carry the weight of the world from a far distance. He had to be there. He had to be amongst his people. He had to be a part of it to truly carry the weight of the world. And I, I think we, if you look throughout Scripture, we can see where Jesus carried the weight of the world, where, we, where Jesus really connected with humanity. You know, any time that he was preaching a message, there was people all around. There was kids running everywhere. I think Jesus connected well with, with kids. He would be the best uh, kids volunteer that we've ever had. Like, he, was, he loved kids. We see Jesus in humanity when he, we saw strength and we saw righteous anger whenever he was in the temple and he was uh, overthrowing and driving out the corrupt, the corrupt money changers. We see him experiencing pain, human emotion. We see him experiencing betrayal when, when Judas, some of his closest people, uh, sells him out. For, for silver. And we see Peter, again, one of the people that he's closest to, denies him several times. We, we watch him suffer loss. One of his best friends, Lazarus, dies. We watch him grieve through that. And we experience, we, we see them experience abandonment. While he's on the cross, he's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, we, we have a God that knows what it is to be poor. We, we, we serve a God that knows what it is to be tempted. We serve a God that knows what it means to be and to experience disappointment. And because he knows what it's like, because he knows what it means, he's near to us when we experience those things as well. 
I think that's what that it truly means when we, we hear about Emmanuel, especially in this time of the year, this season. It means God with us. The Bible called him Emmanuel because he is with us in those moments. And because the Israelites, they felt that disappointment. They felt the disappointment in the arrival of Jesus. It wasn't what they expected. I think we see directly after that, they, they will soon discover what it truly means, Emmanuel, what that actually means. And because you and I have felt disappointment, because you and I have felt frustration for different things, maybe for you as a career path or again, our friendship, relationship of some sort, a failure, maybe even a failed marriage, in that we often feel so alone. In those, those disappointments, we, we feel like we're the only ones going through it. Like it's us against the entire world. Like we're the only ones that are going through what we're going through. But the reality is that nothing could be further from the truth. You see, I think it's in these moments where we truly discover the nearness of God. I think it's in our darkest hour that he shows up the most. Because again, I think, I know that he's a God that has experienced everything that we're going through. And I, I do think, and I believe for us, Knowing God was never intended to be about just information. Knowing God was never intended to be about memorizing facts and and, and things like that, but it was about intimacy. It was about a close relationship. Knowing God has always been about truly having a close relationship, a closeness that would allow us to see beyond disappointment, a closest that would allow us to see beyond our current circumstances, the closest that would, be, that would allow us to, to be reminded in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of frustration and uh, hard situations that God is near. God is always near to us. And the second thing that I think disappointment can teach us is that disappointment reveals our idols. <clears throat> so author and former pastor Erwin uh, Lutzer once said, have you ever thought that our disappointments are God's way of reminding us that there are idols in our lives that must be dealt with. So when I say idols, uh, I'm not talking about the little statues that we'd put on the floor or on a shelf or something like that and bow down to. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that in our lives that we put too much emphasis on or even put before God. And, and the hard thing is, some of the things that we may focus more on than, than God aren't always inherently bad. I don't think they're, they're all bad. For some of us, it may be our family. We may put more time, effort, and energy into our family. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's the school that you believe will lead you to your career. Maybe it's your hobbies. This is something for me that is hard for me. I, I love doing a lot of things. And I, 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 one of the things I, I love the most, is, especially this time of year, is I love watching football. Like every Saturday, like my expectation, my goal is to sit on the couch and watch as much football as humanly possible, um, especially teams that I don't love and care about because it's a lot, lot easier to watch a team lose when I don't care if they lose. Uh, it's a lot harder when you care. Uh, but, but the reality is I think it, it, when those things get out of hand, it, it becomes an idol when, we, when it begins to consume our mind. It begins to consume all of our thoughts. When I'm more excited about a game, a football game, than I am an encounter with Jesus, I believe it really that's when it becomes an idol. When, when, I, when I care more about watching a game on Saturday than being excited for church on Sunday, that's when I think uh, something is wrong. And it says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 and 4, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything, in heaven or above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. So we get two commandments about idolatry. Because I believe that there's two types of idolatry. Number one, you make something else your God. You worship it, you pursue it, and you live your life for it. And number two, 
You attempt to form God into fitting your desires and expectations. The first one, you make something else your God, and the next, you try to form God into your expectations and desires. I think the Israelites, they were, they were so concerned with, with getting a king who, who would give them the things that they wanted, give them the things that they were believing for, give them the things, wealth or, or power. They were, they were expecting a king that would give them influence in the, in, in the country, but they missed, they missed the fact that God is not subject to their will. They don't get to decide which form or which shape God takes in their life. We don't get to decide which form or shape God takes in our life, but we rather are called to subject ourselves to him. We don't get to subject him to our will, but rather we are called to subject ourselves to him. If we're not careful, we'll begin to try to make God into our image. We'll try to begin to make God into what we want, into what we think we need instead of us realizing that we were created in his image. He's not created in ours. We are created in his image. Have we made other people our idols? Have we made other people in our lives, the ones that we follow or like or listen to or read about, have we made them our idols? Have we made material things our idols? Things that don't have eternal significance. Have we made something up and pursued it with our whole lives? Or have we claimed to follow God when really all we've done is attempt to form God into a shape that fits our own selfish agenda. You know, maybe, maybe we're disappointed today because all this time you've been trying to fit a round-shaped God into a square hole. So maybe your life will be easier, so it might become less complex. Like, God, I, I just can't make it to church on time because football's on. I can't do that. That's how I can't make it to church. Football's on TV. Or maybe, man, I'll make it to church. Yeah, I, I promise. I'd be at church. I'd be volunteering every Sunday if we did it on Thursday nights from 9 to 10. I just, that's my schedule's free. It's open. I have time then. Man, I, I promise I would read the Bible more if it was just more interesting. Maybe add some pictures. Maybe do whatever you got to do. I promise I'd be more engaged in the word of God. We try to fit God to what we desire. We try to fit God into what we think we need. We try to fit God into a box that he doesn't belong in. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14 says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Do you guys ever use the word flee? I don't, unless I'm talking about a dog that has bugs on it. I'm not, talking, I'm not using the word flee ever in my life because I feel like it's a pretty serious word. If, like if someone tells me to flee from something, I'm moving as fast as I possibly can. Whatever it may be, whether it's a, a, a storm or a, a, some kind of fire, whatever it may be, if I'm fleeing, I'm going as fast as I possibly can. You know, it doesn't say meander from idolatry. It doesn't say just mosey. It doesn't say go slow. It says flee as quickly as you possibly can. Do whatever it takes to place nothing between you and your relationship with God. It says, flee from idolatry. Flee from the things that become between our relationship with God and us. And lastly today, number three, disappointment builds gratitude. See, the wise men in the story of the birth of Jesus are probably our greatest example of this. You know, they followed the star to find the new king. Uh, what they found was a baby born in a manger, to a poor, insignificant, refugee Jewish couple. There, you know, there was nothing extraordinary about Mary and Joseph, nothing crazy special about them. There sure wasn't anything special about where he was born. I mean, it was literally, it's a, it's a manger, it's a stable, a place for animals, not a king. And yet, they offered their gifts in worship to the newborn king. E even though it did not meet their expectations or what they believed was going to happen, 
they offered their gifts in worship. They would refuse to give Jesus up to King Herod. So in that time, King Herod put out a a decree to have the baby put to death. They refused to do that. They expressed gratitude even when the coming of the king did not meet their expectations. You know, this past month, we challenged you guys as a church uh, to live a life of gratitude. In the month of November, and and the idea was to show gratitude in many different ways. Uh, And he made it super easy. We had those cards you could take home or put on your mirror or put in your car and had daily tasks that we could practice and, and do to uh, pursue gratitude and, and develop that in our lives. And <clears throat> excuse me, I can't speak for you guys, but for me, it was, it was fantastic. It, it did amazing things for me and it allowed me to connect with people I didn't know as well. Maybe connect with people that I haven't talked to in a while or more importantly, it took me, it, it allowed me to take the time and kind of forced me to take the time to take a step back get a new perspective and really just look and say, man, look at what God's done. Because I think, and naturally, it kind of happens to all of us. When we get in our routines, we get in our schedules, we become so self-focused and self-centered that we don't begin to look at anything around us. And we take a moment to take a step back. We can begin to look around and say, man, God has blessed me. Like the people that God has put in my life, man, I'm so blessed. The church family that I have, man, thank you, God, for that. God, thank you for the opportunities that you've given me. God, thank you for the church family that I have. God, thank you for the friends that are around me, God. Not, not, not what I've done. I'm not looking at the things that I've accomplished, but, but it puts things into perspective for me to understand that I am where I am today and I am who I am today because of the people that God has placed in my life at the proper time. And that's, that's how I have what I have. That's, that's how I've accomplished the things that I've accomplished. But I, I feel like a lot of us, we have this kind of entitled mindset. And I don't think we do it on purpose, but I think over time when we become self, self-focused, this, this becomes our reality. That we, we think, oh man, I deserve that promotion. Are you kidding me? I, I'm so much better than that, that person over there. What did they get? I deserve that promotion. I deserve the accolades. After all the work that I put in, I deserve it. I deserve that raise. I've been here so long and I've been working so hard. I deserve it. I deserve the success. Are you kidding me? I worked so hard for all those things. But do you understand the reality is that all we truly deserve is, is death and hell. And that's it. But because of God's grace and his mercy, we get so much more. We don't deserve it, but because of his grace and his mercy, we get to have so much more. Each of us, man, we have to purge the idea of entitlement out of our lives, piece by piece, until truly it's less of me and more of God. We have to rid our minds, our hearts of entitlement until it's less of me and more of God, until we come to the realization that God may be using this current disappointment, God may be using this current situation to humble us. That maybe God is using the disappointment to make us more grateful, to remind us of what he's already given us. Maybe we become so entitled and arrogant that he has to remind us of how grateful we should be. And I know dealing with disappointment can be difficult. I know it can be hard. It can be overwhelming. But maybe. Maybe this disappointment is truly an unexpected gift. A gift to remind you that no matter how lonely you are this season, that God is near you. Emmanuel, God is with us. Maybe it's a a gift to reveal to you that something else has come in and taken the place of God. Maybe as a form of an idol. Maybe it's a gift to, to build gratitude, to remind us of what he has done for us, to remind us of the sacrifice that he made 
to remind us of the, the, the blessings that he's already blessed us with. Let me pray for you. God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you've done for us. God, I pray that today that we had, that you would build in us a, a, a new spirit of gratitude, God, a, a spirit of thankfulness. God, especially in this time of the year, God, this season, God, that you would remind us of who you are, God, what you've done in our lives. God, I, I pray that every form of entitlement or, or arrogance would, would, would flee from us. God, we'd be reminded of, of your grace and your kindness and God, that really all that we do deserve is, is death. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you, though, even though we deserve this, God, that you love us enough that you've given us mercy, God, grace. Maybe in this room, and no one looking around, maybe you're in this room and you, you struggle with that. Maybe you've been through a disappointing season been a frustrating time for whatever reason. Maybe you expect it to be something different and it hasn't quite met that. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're, you're frustrated with God. You're disappointed at your, current, your situation. You're, you're, it's not turned out the way that you expected it to. And that's a lot of us. A lot of us in this room, I'm sure, are dealing with this current disappointment in your season. So maybe you'd say, this has been a hard season for me. It's been a hard time. But it's not what I expected. And you just want prayer today. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you. I just want to pray for you. Maybe you say, I, I deal with some disappointment, but I really don't have any form of hope. You know, I don't follow Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. I don't pursue him and what he has for me. Maybe today you feel something different. You feel like I need to make that choice. I need to make that decision today to follow him and trust in him. Maybe you're in this room and you said, man, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. Today is my day. I want to make that decision today. Again, don't look around. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hand. all pray together. I want to pray this way. Pray, Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. God, thank you. I'm choosing today to trust and follow you. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.